About 16 million Americans experience a major depression each year. And at any given time, about 1 in 10 adults is taking antidepressants. There are many different ones available in what can seem like a bewildering variety. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, and you are listening today. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, and you are listening to Mind Talk. Today's guest is Dr. Wallace B. Mendelson, and he's going to help us sort out some of these bewildering varieties of antidepressant medications. Dr. Mendelson is a professor of psychiatry and clinical pharmacology. He is a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association, and he's the author of several books and numerous scientific papers, but do Do not get nervous because today we're not discussing a scientific paper. We're discussing his very readable book about understanding antidepressants. And in fact, the name is Understanding Antidepressants. Hello, Dr. Mendelson. It's very nice to have you on today. Hi. Thank you, Pamela. You heard me say a moment ago that there are many, many people in the United States who are who experience a major depression and many people who are also taking antidepressants. And of course, I imagine you would agree that many of the people who experience a major depression actually don't go for treatment and either are not aware of the potential assistance of antidepressants or are adamantly opposed to pills of any kind. Well, I think the, that's very true. Uh, depression can be a subtle thing, and sometimes people do not realize that they are depressed. And uh, conversely, sometimes folks will be talking to their doctor. Uh, they might focus on some aspect of depression, just as an example, fatigue or uh, vague aches and pains, for instance. And the doctor may not always recognize that depression is what is going on. So it's very important uh, for both patients and uh, care providers to, to recognize depression in its many forms. And similarly, it's very important uh, that if a antidepressant is prescribed, that a, a person makes an informed choice about it. Um, One of the reasons that I wrote this book is that even though one in 10 people in the United States is taking an antidepressant, um, I've gotten the sense that many many of us don't fully understand um, what the drugs do, how they do it, what the consequences might be. Uh, They may not fully understand um, enough information to be able to weigh the benefits from the drawbacks. Um, I believe this kind of information is very important because it helps a person uh, be an equal partner in with the doctor in making a decision about using medicines in general or using a particular one. Uh, phrased another way, antidepressants shouldn't just happen to you. They ought to be something that you decide on uh, and make a uh, savvy choice on. Well, let's talk about um, first of all how antidepressants 
in general affect the brain? The reason that I ask that question is because, as I know you know, there's so many myths afloat about what antidepressants do, what they don't do, uh, the addictive uh, nature of them. So let's just start with what is an antidepressant supposed to do and how does it in fact affect the brain? Okay. Well, one of the themes of my book, Understanding Antidepressants, is that the the science behind what antidepressants do shouldn't be a mystery. It should be made available to everybody, whether they have a technical background or whether they have an absolutely non-technical background. And my goal in writing this has been to try to describe the um, ways that scientists understand antidepressants in language that a person with a non-technical background can understand and benefit from. Um, There are many theories about the science of antidepressants and would take too long to go into here, but for example, among the kinds of things that are thought about are the traditional view that they may raise or lower the amount of chemical substances known as neurotransmitters in the brain. Um, In more recent years, there have been increasing interest that they may affect proteins that help regulate uh, brain function, and there's growing interest in their uh, ability to affect uh, genes that control activities in the brain. So we don't have any final answers, but we have uh, a lot of good movement in the right directions, and understanding just a little bit about this can go a long way in helping folks uh, make good choices about these medicines. Let, let me ask you this. If, if I'm sitting in front of my doctor who has now prescribed me an antidepressant and I start to ask her questions and she says, don't worry about that, just take the prescription, is she the right doctor for me or should I look for someone else? Well, I, I don't know about whether this particular person is the right doctor, but I do think that uh, uh, an attitude of uh, just take my word for it or just trust me, you don't need to know, uh, is not ultimately very helpful for either patient or doctor. So when a a patient is uh, given the prescription, given a prescription for antidepressants, what are some of the basic things that you would like for the patient to understand about that medication? Well, the first thing I'd like them to do is, is to go back a step. Uh, I don't. I would prefer that before the prescription is written, that that this kind of information is conveyed and understood. That may mean that the medicine shouldn't be prescribed at the first visit, you know, outside of emergency situations. Maybe it's a lot better to um, discuss possible medications um, and and also, of course, discuss non-medicine treatments, uh, weigh the benefits of both, and if medicine has chosen weigh the benefits of specific medicines. 
then come back and see the doctor when one has had a chance to learn more about it from a, a book such as mine or from any other reputable source. Well, that's interesting because, you know, certainly um, in, in the world of uh, insurance coverage, very often uh, the uh, the prescriber was all but required to do an assessment and to write a prescription. So to hear you say it makes sense to not do that right off the bat, but to really sort of ponder the options, including natural alternatives, that's really an interesting, I couldn't agree with you more, but really an interesting perspective to take. Well, um, I, th I think so too, and uh, I think any small amount of time that may be lost between the first and second visit may be uh, ultimately uh, a small price to pay for a very large gain in uh, ultimate outcome and satisfaction with the treatment. Um, certainly, I think if you understand more about what you're doing, you're much more likely to be compliant. Uh, with the treatment? There... Well, it's a matter of... Oh, I'm so sorry. No, please continue. I was going to say, it, it's a matter of mindset. Uh, in the first scenario you described, the patient is sort of a passive recipient of the treatment. Um, and in the, the second one that uh, we're suggesting here, the, the mindset changes from being passive to being active so that a person becomes an active partner with the doctor in in choosing the treatment and as you say this this usually helps not only compliance but uh, just the very act of taking a uh, an active stance in the face of any illness uh, usually is associated with a happier outcome in the long term now, for someone who is depressed um, at the outset, do you believe that that depressed person, let's say someone has been diagnosed with a major depression, is it reasonable to believe that that person will have sort of the m emotional energy to really give this p potential prescription thought? Or will that person be very likely to say, okay, I'll take it, and then maybe even not because they don't understand what's going on? Well, that's a great question. And, and again, uh, I used the caveat in my previous comments about in non-emergency situations. Of course, there, there can be cases where uh, a person isn't thinking clearly, uh, you know, is having difficulty making any kinds of decisions and so on. And there it may be useful for a physician to take a little bit more of an active role. The uh, fear that many people have that uh, once they start to take an antidepressant, uh, they're going to be completely dependent on it. They're going to become completely addicted to it, and their minds will no longer be their own. It will be ruled by the pill they're taking. What What do you say to those folks who have those kinds of fears? 
Well, that's a question that is uh, becoming more and more uh, popular and seeing a whole great deal of in these last few years. So I'm really glad you you raised this. Um, in a nutshell, I can say this to you. Uh, there are three terms that are often confused that are related, and I, we probably ought to separate them just for a moment uh, before I can respond to comments about, uh, about possible addiction. Uh, the first is the concept of tolerance. Tolerance means that when a person takes a medication, the effectiveness gradually decreases, thus leading to needing higher and higher doses. Mm -hmm. A second related concept is dependence. Dependence means that a person's body becomes so adapted to the medicine that um, when they stop it, they have a kind of withdrawal syndrome. And the third related uh, item is addiction. Addiction refers to both psychological and behavioral patterns in which a person um, obsessively um, pursues receiving a substance even in the face of harmful uh, consequences of doing that. So these are three different things that need to be separated. Now, on the let, topic let me let me interrupt you, uh, Dr. Mendelson, because we need to take a break. But I think this is the perfect place for folks to think about tolerance, dependence, addiction. Folks, we'll be back in just a moment to continue this conversation with Dr. Wallace B. Mendelson. Dr. Mendelssohn, you just described to us the the terms tolerance, dependence, and addiction. With that being sort of under our belts, please continue. Well, sure. Uh, the first thing I would say is that the uh, U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration classifies all medicines depending on whether they have abuse potential. And no major prescription antidepressant is considered a um, abuse potential drug. In, in their language, they call it being scheduled. And none of these drugs are scheduled drugs. Um, abuse in the way that I, or sorry, addiction in the way that I defined it is people who obsessively seek out these drugs in the face of harmful consequences is exceedingly rare. Um, I, there, there have been cases, I know I went to a uh, national meeting of addiction psychiatrists once, and uh, they've commented that, that on very rare occasions, very, very rare occasions, this is seen. 
but the one the part that I think you're raising which is not addiction but is related is the question of dependence and dependence as we mentioned before is the uh, appearance of a withdrawal syndrome when you stop medication uh, in general all, all psychiatric medicines should be tapered and stopped slowly uh, there, there's no uh, benefit to stopping most medicines and anything except a very slow tapered manner okay now the the classical teaching uh, for instance when I was in training many years ago the the classical teaching really hasn't changed very much for doctors and that is that with most antidepressants of uh, a small percentage of people can have mild symptoms sometimes they've been described as flu-like symptoms that can appear for brief periods of time and uh, in addition to flu-like symptoms people have described uh, anxiety mood swings uh, nausea and diarrhea and other things now what and I think that's what most doctors tend to believe now what's happened in recent years is that many people have come forward and said, "Hey, that's that's not the half of it. I've I've uh, had a very very difficult time coming off my antidepressants. I've had uh, problems with anxiety or mood swings or other difficulty that went on for long periods of time, months or even years. And I think physicians are struggling right now to." balance uh, what we've generally been taught with this large uh, number of people who are saying my experience is very different and the bottom line is that I don't think we have the answer um, some doctors say well I, I, I understand that you believe that this is due to withdrawing from the medicine but from my viewpoint what we're seeing is a recurrence of your depressive or anxiety symptoms uh, other doctors of which I am one are saying uh, we need to study this we need to respect these folks's uh, reports and try to get some answers and I think that that's a very very important uh, area of research that needs to be done right now uh, one of the difficulties we have as a society is figuring out who should be doing those studies oh. uh, sh should it be the pharmaceutical company uh, should it be the government uh, should it be some other kind of institution we, we don't really have a ready answer for that and I think it's a very important question because I, I think we, we need to uh, for instance we don't know um, if this phenomenon is is indeed present in a, some patients is there a way you can predict who those people will be mm -hmm. in advance who might be more susceptible to this so there's many subsidiary questions and I, I think it really does need to be faced it sounds like we may have to bring you back as more information comes out um, responsive to the the questions that you've just posed let me let me ask you about antidepressants from the beginning of the treatment. 
there certainly are folks uh, who will say, you know, I took it for a week and I didn't feel any differently, so I stopped. Is that reasonable? When should one expect to notice a change? Well, that's a great question. Again, part of the information that needs to be conveyed before the pill is ever prescribed is a discussion of what can you expect. Yes. And part of part of what can you expect is how soon uh, benefits will appear. In general, uh, the main antidepressant effects of most medicines uh, take several weeks to to appear. And uh, if there hasn't been benefit in six weeks or so, then it, it's a sign that one needs to sit back and reevaluate the situation. Uh, there's one outstanding exception to this, and this is the relatively new discovery of using small doses of the intravenous anesthetic ketamine for depression, in which case benefits appear uh, you know, within days. Uh, the it is still an area that is being explored and people are also looking at related substances and related methods of administration besides intravenous. So it's not a, a completely settled area, but it's certainly a very interesting one and for situations in which very rapid benefits are needed. Um, there's also some distinction in studying ketamine between anti-suicidal benefits versus antidepressive benefits because they, they don't always march hand in hand and sometimes mm. the, the benefits in decreasing suicidal thoughts uh, are partially independent of the effects on depressive symptoms as a whole. What about um, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation? We're hearing more and more about that. Some insurance companies are uh, covering the cost. What is that? Well, it's a very interesting treatment of, which has been used largely in cases in which folks have had antidepressants and haven't uh, benefited as much as desired. And there are a number of studies showing that in that particular group of patients who have already tried antidepressants and, and uh, are remaining depressed, that the use of uh, TMS can, can be uh, helpful. Basically, what happens is that a person um, sits in a, a like a dental type chair and uh, large electric the magnets, basically electromagnets, are placed around the head, and um, uh, and these these so that the head is subjected to a magnetic field, and it may take a number of treatments, each of which may last up to about an hour. And there's more and more evidence evidence that this may be a very useful non-medicine uh, approach to depression. How long does it last? How long do the benefits last? Well, that's one of the questions that continues to be studied. That's, that's also, by the way, one of the questions that's continuing to be 
explored about ketamine. Um, so I, I can't give you a solid answer for that, but for TMS, it, uh, it appears, uh, you know, to have some lasting benefit. And of course, if a person has a new recurrence, they, they can be treated again. Okay. For the, the folks who will say, okay, you want me to take medication for my depression, but what's going to happen to my depression when I stop taking the medication? Aren't, I'm just well, going to be depressed all over again. Why should I take it? Well, the answer there is that with the exception of one particular kind of, of depressive disorder that's called chronic dysthymia, uh, depression is something that comes and goes. Uh, it is not something that, that in general, that lasts forever. Um, having said that, once a person has been treated successfully for, with an antidepressant and feels good, uh, typically, uh, a doctor may keep the person on the medicine for another six or 12 months uh, before uh, gradually tapering it. And I think that that's a wise practice. So it is not it is not necessarily a good idea just to stop the medicine as soon as you feel better. It's it's better to continue for a while. Now, it's also important to remember that depression is very often a recurrent condition. Uh, it can occur again in the future, and, and if it does, then uh, it's wise to treat it again. And if, you, if the doctor and patient already have experience that a particular drug worked before, then of course that sounds like a good choice for facing it in, in remission. The... Um the impact of the medication on the brain does it permanently affect the way the brain functions or does it simply affect the brain functioning while you're taking the medication well again we don't fully understand this and and as we were just talking before there's a a, a growing voice of folks who believe that it is affecting them, you know, in a much longer term. So I don't think we have a solid answer for that. But but in general, the the, the general thinking is is that once these medicines have been withdrawn, that they that over a period of time, uh, you know, their their specific effects on the brain should should no longer be present. Okay. Again, as I mentioned, there's a little bit of controversy about this. Dr. Wallace B. Mendelson, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. Uh, I, I have to say that um, Understanding Depressants, uh, the book that, that you and I have been discussing uh, today, I'd like to see that given to patients prior to taking medication, except, of course, in emergency situations, as you described, in part because, and you make this comment in the book, 
uh, or at least one of your reviewers does, nowadays you have 15 minutes with your psychiatrist for the most part, and then you're gone. So having this kind of information before you have that first and certainly second visit, I would suggest is critical. Is there a website, uh, Dr. Mendelson, where people can get more information about uh, understanding depressants? Yes, indeed. Uh, my book, Understanding Antidepressants uh, by Wallace B. Mendelson, is available on Amazon, both as a Kindle ebook and as a paperback. And is there a website where people can go to? Do you have a website? Yes, um, yes there's a Facebook page, uh, both for Wallace Mendelssohn, which describes it and it has links to it. And there's also a Facebook page entitled Understanding Antidepressants. Wonderful. Um, Dr. Mendelssohn, thank you again so much for joining us today and for sharing your expertise about what is an ongoing question for many people. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pamela. And folks, thank you for joining me today on this edition of Mind Talk. It is brought to you daily as an educational public service and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. You can always listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to mindtalk.org. You can send questions or comments to me uh, by sending an email to Pamela, P A M E L A, at mindtalk.org. And folks, remember always if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.